Jack splashed his way down the cobblestone street. Puddles remained from the day's rain, but now the clouds had moved on, leaving a clear night sky. He cursed the brightness of the moon. It was already hard enough sneaking past curfew patrols in the tower spotlights. Now he felt as if he was sneaking around in the middle of the day. He ducked behind a garbage can as two police officers walked by, their red coats making them stick out against the black backdrop of the city. He was grateful for that, at least. They could be seen from a mile away. After the redcoats had passed, he crawled out of hiding. He moved slowly at first, until he was sure they were far enough away, then he broke into a run. Delivering messages often felt like a game, like the resistance were just a bunch of kids playing hide-and-seek. Except if he was found, he wouldn't just be out. He'd be hanged. A light flickered at the edge of his vision and he hit the deck. Another patrol. They weren't coming towards him and soon their voices faded into the dark. Not far now, he told himself as he got back up. It wasn't far, but his effort to stick to the shadows and his constant near misses with the Reds made for a long journey. It was well past midnight when he made it to his destination. The moon was high overhead and the night was still. He stood in the alley across the way from the house. He put his hands to his mouth and made a call. A nightingale. There was no response. He made the call again. When he was answered with silence a second time, he peered out into the street. It was empty. The street lamps and the moon made the cobblestones a terrible place to cross. He would have to move fast to avoid being seen. One more check. The coast was clear. He ran across to the house. He flattened himself against the wall. The eaves were shallow, but they offered a little shadow on the face of the house. Even so, he had to get inside quick. He made another call. Still no answer. This was bad. He crept up to the door and was going to hammer out the secret knock, but he paused with his knuckles an inch from the wood. The door was open. Jack froze. This was bad. This was very, very bad. Had they been found out? His mind screamed at him to turn around, to go back to base, tell them he couldn't deliver the message. The mission was compromised. But he had to be sure. He had to know if their contact was alive or not. He slowly pushed open the door. Marcus, he whispered. The house was black, save for a shock of white moonlight that poured through a window, illuminating an overturned table. A struggle. Marcus, he whispered again. It's me, Jack. Are you in here? There was a thump above him. Somebody was on the second floor. Jack crossed the room to the stairs. The light from the window did not reach the stairwell, so it was a black tunnel. He felt his way up the stairs one step at a time. He could hear someone moving about and a low whimpering. Somebody was hurt. Marcus, he whispered once more. The whimpering stopped. Jack swallowed. Marcus, are you okay? The floorboards at the top of the stairs creaked. Somebody was coming. Please let it be Marcus. Jack strained his eyes against the dark, trying to make out the figure that slowly appeared at the top of the stairs. Loud, heavy breathing rained down on him. Marcus? he asked. There was no answer, just the creaking of wood as the shadow leapt upon him. Somewhere in the night, a nightingale was singing. It stopped suddenly and took to the skies, startled by the piercing scream. Hall of Mirrors, Episode 2, Werewolves of New London Time travel? Don't be ridiculous. What about regeneration? 
Don't you think I am? Some kind of doctor? Well, I don't know. You've been watching too much television. I just had to be sure. I don't know how all of this works. Strider snorted at that. He and Arwen were in the Hall of Mirrors, and she had been pestering him with non-stop questions. So you're human? In a manner of speaking? What manner? Strider sighed. I'm like you, just from another world. Or I was before the Hall chose me. And what does that mean? Arwen asked. The Hall chose you? He nodded. That's how one becomes a Watcher. Are there others? If there are, I've not met them. Arwen nodded and sat back. As she did so, a chair appeared to catch her. That was something that I had taken a bit of getting used to, the hall anticipating her needs, but now that she was used to it, she loved how convenient it was. How did the hall choose you? she asked. Strider thought, and for a moment she saw a sadness dance across his eyes. I don't remember, he said. My life before, I mean, on my world. There are bits and pieces, but most seem like a dream, like I'm remembering a story that someone else told me. All of my memories start when I awoke in the hall. Arwen wasn't sure what to say to that. She should have known that something as insane as the Hall of Mirrors would not hold immediate answers. Even so, she was frustrated with how many more questions it created. Even so, Strider said, breaking the silence and putting on a smile. I'm here now, and I have work to do. The one who killed you, Arwen said. The one who's been killing me, Strider corrected. I'm being erased from all these worlds, and I don't know why. How do you mean erased? Strider reached up, and an orb of light floated down to his hand, resting just above it. He brought it to Arwen, and she saw her reflection in it, except it was off. It was her, but also somebody else trying to be her. That's you in this world, he said. As you can see, I am not in it. I am not in any of these, he gestured to the sky of stars. None? He smiled. That's where things get interesting. There are infinite possibilities and infinite worlds, so I must be alive in some of them. I'm unique, but I'm not that unique. If there's an infinite number, how do you find them? With the Hall's help. If it can bring me a drink when I'm thirsty, it can bring me a world I want to visit, though it's been taking longer and longer to do so. And each time I arrive, I'm too late. He tossed the ball he was holding up into the air, and it drifted away to join the other lights in the swirling galaxy. But one of these days, I'll beat him to the punch, he said, and then I'll get my answers. He reached into the air, and the black cane he used to navigate the hall appeared. He stuck it into the ground and began scrolling through the worlds. I thought the hall would bring you a world, Arwen asked. It will, but I still need to look. The hall will bring me a drink, but it can't stop me from becoming thirsty again. So this is you taking a swig, she asked, in a manner of speaking. Arwen watched as the orbs spun around them. Strider kept his gaze up, glancing at each one that passed. She wondered how much of each world he saw. They were moving too fast for her to even see her own reflection in them. One orb drifted down to him. He looked at it out of the corner of his eye. Not you again, he muttered. I said I'm not interested. He waved his hand and the ball drifted back into the masses. Arwen was about to ask what that was, but before she got the chance, Strider exclaimed, Aha! Here's one. Shall we? He held out a hand and Arwen took it. He reached out and touched the orb floating in front of him. The sensation was hard to describe, for there wasn't much sensation at all. In one moment, there she was, standing in the hall, and in the next, she wasn't. Perhaps it was a bit like turning on the lights on one sleeping in a dark room, 
except, instead of being hard on the eyes, it was a jolt to all the senses. The air was suddenly cooler, the light was suddenly different, and smells that had not existed a moment before accosted the nose. But just like blinking weary eyes prepares them for the brightness of morning, all it took was a shudder and a shake of the head, and Arwen was able to take in her surroundings. They were on a cobblestone street with high buildings all around them. It was crowded, and yet for all the people walking about, not a one of them seemed surprised that two strangers had just appeared in front of them. They simply walked on, skirting the new additions to the sidewalk. For all the differences between worlds, one thing remains the same, said Strider. Seldom do people pay attention to what goes on around them. With that, he set out at a brisk pace. Arwen hurried after him. Wait, she said. Where are we? Earth, said Strider. And Earth, I should say. This is another parallel world. You won't find any strange creatures or wacky laws of physics here. Maybe just a few historical differences. Such as? Strider pinched a newspaper from a nearby stand and handed it to Arwen. The New London Times, it read. Arwen skimmed the page. There was an article about the king sailing back from a trip to England, a headline about a burglary in the York district, and a picture of a man identified as a wanted terrorist. The date at the top said 1862. 1862? I thought you said you couldn't time travel, Arwen said, folding up the paper. I can't, but that doesn't mean every world is on the same timeline. Come on. Arwen drank in the city as best she could as they hurried through the streets, and it soon became clear to her where they were. She had visited New York a handful of times before, and of course that city was in every movie. Everything seemed older and the architecture was all wrong. Even so, it was still a familiar skyline. When they came out of the heart of the city, that just confirmed it, for she could see the water and the bridges. They were unmistakably on the southern tip of Manhattan. She wondered if the island had the same name here. Incredible, she said. Mm-hmm, was Strider's only reply as he continued on. Look out there, said Arwen, pointing to the statue in the water. It was not the same green lady with the torch she was used to, but a man, menacing in bronze with a scepter in his hand. She turned to Strider, but he had gone. Hey, she called out after him. He was running. Wait up! Sorry, trying to stop my murderer, you know, he said, looking back at her. It's this way. Whack! Just then, they collided with two gentlemen in red coats who were rounding the corner. Bloody hell, one of them swore. What's all this, then? said the other. Pardon me, sirs, said Strider. He was getting to his feet. One of the men grabbed him by the wrist. Do you know what you've just done? he asked. Made a terrible mistake, I'm sure, said Strider. Now, if you'll excuse me. He wrenched his arm free from the man's grip and started to run in again. The man took off after him. Stop! Stop in the name of the law! Arwen looked at the other man. He looked back at her. Don't even think about... Before he could finish, she pushed past him, sprinting after Strider. She heard a whistle blowing behind her, but she kept running. Some in the crowd were able to leap aside as they ran. Others were bowled over as Arwen tried to lose her pursuer while keeping track of Strider. She succeeded in neither. She ducked down an alleyway which she thought would connect to the street later on. Unfortunately, it led straight to a dead end. Perfect, she thought to herself. She turned around as the man in the red coat came around the corner, huffing and puffing. She briefly thought about the firearm holstered beneath her jacket, but felt that maybe shooting a strange man in a strange world seemed a terrible thing to do, especially since he was apparently law enforcement. Maybe she could explain. That's far enough, Missy, the man said, advancing on her. She put her hands up. Look, officer, I can explain, she began, but the man just started chuckling. He shook his head. Oh, there'll be no explaining to do, he said, pulling a billy club from his belt. Assaulting an officer of the law is a serious crime. And fleeing arrest? 
Well, I'll just have to deliver the sentence here and now. There was a whiz and a thunk, and the man clutched his face, crying out in pain. Come on, said a voice next to her. Someone grabbed her arm and pulled her past the officer, who was trying to keep blood from his forehead from getting into his eyes. Arwen and her companion came out of the alleyway onto the street. He was a young man, probably in his mid-twenties, and held a slingshot. They scanned the crowd like a wolfhound looking for prey. This way, he said, ducking past a clump of people. Arwen looked behind her and saw two more officers arrive before they were blocked from view by the passing people. Wait, said Arwen, tugging her arm free. Come on, urged the man. You don't want the redcoats to catch you. Not after you've pissed them off. But my friend, there isn't time. We need to get somewhere safe. He pushed through the crowd, his head swinging left to right in search of trouble. She looked around, too. Strider was nowhere to be seen, and in this city it seemed her best bet was to follow her new friend. Wait here, said the young man. He had taken Arwen through a maze of side streets and alleyways, and now they stood outside what looked like a deserted apartment. The man slipped inside, climbing through a window between broken boards. Arwen looked around at the darkening street. She wondered where Strider was, and if he was okay. He could just hop into the hall if he needed to, she thought. Unless the police somehow caught him and took away his mirror. Swear to God, if I have to break him out of jail. At that moment, the young man returned. All right, he said. You can come inside. Arwen climbed in the window after him, and he led her down a dark tunnel at the end of which was a boarded-up door. He knocked on the wall opposite the door, three times in what was obviously a secret pattern, and to Arwen's surprise, the wall itself opened up, sliding backwards to reveal a secret passage. At the end of this tunnel was a war room. There was a table with a map, and a man in a military coat leaning over it. The young man stopped and saluted. General Washington, sir. The man looked up from the table and stepped forward. He was tall, dark-skinned, and broad-shouldered. He looked every bit the general. Thank you, Marcus, he said, his voice commanding, yet not as menacing as one might expect from one his size. You may go. Marcus dropped his salute and nodded a farewell to Arwen before disappearing down a side passage. The general stepped forward. My name is General William Washington. Marcus tells me he rescued you from a redcoat. Yeah, I guess he did, said Arwen. Accidentally bumped into him and he didn't take it too well. The police don't take kindly to much. Would you care for a seat? He offered Arwen a chair, and she took it. What did Marcus tell you? he asked after she had sat down. Not much, Arwen admitted. He said he wanted to take me somewhere safe, somewhere the Redcoats wouldn't find me. The general nodded. That was kind of Marcus, though rash. He hasn't been the same since... Well, never mind. You're here now, and the Resistance isn't about to turn down someone in need of help. The Resistance? Yes. Usually the people we bring down here are looking for us. Not you? No, said Arwen. I mean, I'm looking for my friend. We got separated when the police were after us. But you have no quarrel with the Redcoats. Do you? We have a quarrel with the entire regime, Washington said. Right, said Arwen. I'm not exactly from around here. Of course not. That's not hard to see. Washington looked into Arwen's eyes. She held his gaze. What does that mean? She wondered. Does he know about other worlds? Is it more common in other places? She thought back to the wisps she had encountered. They spoke of another world, so perhaps there were those who were more privy to the fantastic. He said nothing, though. Instead, he turned away and changed the subject. You may stay here, he said, for the night. Though then I must ask you to leave. We have important work to do. Arwen glanced at the table and wondered what the map on it showed. She could not see it from where she sat.
like overthrowing the regime, she said. Washington turned to her. Yes, he said. He studied her face. You have no problem with this. Arwen shrugged. Where I'm from, my country was founded on that. But that was a long time ago. The general nodded. It was long ago for us, too, when we first tried. The leader of that resistance was executed. George Washington? Arwen said. The general looked surprised. How do you know that name? You're related to him. I am, but the regime did all they could to erase the revolution from history. Only my family remembers, and we've kept up the fight. For all this time? We've been fighting in secret for a century, but I mean to end it. Enough of this, though. I said you may stay the night, and you must be tired. I'll have Marcus show you to your room. Marcus? Marcus must have been standing just outside the door, for he came in immediately. Washington instructed him to show Arwen to her room, and he took her down the hall. Did he seem mad? Marcus asked when they were far enough from the war room. No, why do you ask? I shouldn't have brought you here. It was dangerous. You could have been a spy. A spy? For them, the Redcoats. But I saw one chasing you, so I thought you had to be one of us. Or at least you're not against the Resistance, are you? He stopped to look at her. No, I'm not against you at all. Good, he said, continuing on down the hall. I don't know what I was thinking. The general said something happened to you? Arwen tried to sound nonchalant in an effort to find out more. It worked, for Marcus went on. A couple of weeks ago, I was supposed to meet an informant. I was waiting for him in the safe house, but something happened. What? I... I don't actually know. I was drugged or something. I woke up in the street. I ran back to the house and... He trailed off. And what? He was dead, Marcus said plainly. Arwen wanted to ask more, but they had stopped. You'll sleep here for tonight, Marcus said. In the morning, you can be on your way. I hope your friend isn't out looking for you. There's a curfew in effect. With that, he turned and left. Arwen went into the room. It was really just a storage closet with a cot set up in it, but it was something, especially after such a day. Revolutions and regimes and the missing Strider. He'll be fine, she told herself, but truth be told, she was starting to worry. She had hoped that if he had gotten away from the officer, he would have come looking for her by now. He wouldn't leave me here, would he? Arwen pushed the thought down. No, he wouldn't. Arwen was awoken by someone shaking her. It took her a minute to adjust to the dim light, but when she did, she saw Strider looking down at her. Strider, she said, sitting up. Me, he said in response. Why are you sleeping in a closet? Long story. Why'd you take so long to get here? Long story. Ready to go? Give me a minute, she said as she started to put on her boots. How'd you get in here anyway? He stared at her. Is that a legitimate question? He reached into his vest and pulled out his pocket mirror. All of mirrors, remember? Limitless, interdimensional travel? All right, smart guy, how come we landed so far from where you wanted to be this morning? I was looking for my copy. It's like a magnet. Like sides repel. Are you ready yet? Watch your tone, Arwen said. She was buckling on her holster. Did you find him? Strider's face grew grim. He just shook his head. I'm sorry, she said, reaching out to touch his hand. It's all right, he said. Let's just be off, shall we? Sure. Hand me my jacket, will you? Strider obliged. Ready now? Before she could answer, a piercing scream filled the air. What was that? Arwen said. Not our problem, said Strider. He was holding out his pocket mirror. Arwen looked at him and grabbed his hand, closing the mirror. Let's go, she said, pulling him into the hallway. 
Men and women in military gear were running down the hall. Arwen and Strider slipped into the current. They were all in such a rush no one seemed to notice. They passed by the war room and into the other hall. Halfway up they found Washington leaning over a body. Arwen had seen a lot in her time as a detective, but nothing quite so gruesome as this. The man was torn and bloodied. There were gouges across his chest, and one arm was torn off at the elbow. A trail of blood showed that he had crawled down the hall before bleeding out. There were murmured curses as the men gathered, a round of oh-my-gods, and more than a few stifled coughs as they struggled to keep from vomiting. Washington stood up. It's Walter, he said. He was on watch with Marcus. You men, go out and look for him. The rest of get ready to move out. If our watch is dead, the Redcoats know where we are. The soldiers hurried to obey the general, leaving Arwen and Strider behind. Washington looked at Arwen and then to Strider. Who the hell are you? He's my friend, Arwen said. You just let him inside? How do I know the Redcoats didn't follow him here? How do I know you're not one of them? Well, for one, the Redcoats can't follow me anywhere, Strider said. Unless they're chasing you, Arwen muttered. And secondly, Strider said, pointedly ignoring her comment, the Redcoats didn't do this. Both Washington and Arwen looked at him. You know what this is, don't you? Arwen said. I mean, it could be a few things, but it wasn't soldiers, said Strider. Not unless they've got a trained lion with them. Just then a soldier came running down the hall. General Washington, sir, he said, throwing a hasty salute. No sign of Marcus, but there was a trail of blood and debris. We followed it, but... But what? But it disappeared. At the foot of a building, the trail just ended. Show me, said Washington. He started to follow the soldier out. Well, this has been fun, said Strider. Can we go now? You're kidding, right? said Arwen. We've got to help them. Why? You helped my world. Yes, but this world is not about to end. Universe-collapsing catastrophes are one thing. Missing soldiers and revolutions are not my problem. Now, he reached into his pocket and pulled out the mirror. Arwen snatched it from him. I beg your pardon, he said. Arwen tucked it into her pocket before he could grab it back. We're helping, she said, and set off down the tunnel. They caught up with Washington and the group that had been sent out in search of Marcus, and sure enough, the trail of blood they were following abruptly ended at the base of a tall building. Did you check inside? Washington said. That's not necessary, General, said Strider. Washington turned on him. What are you doing here? Strider ignored the question and knelt down to examine the blood. I'm baffled by how often you people can forget about dimensions. We can't expect everyone to know about the hall, Armand said. No, not dimensions, said Strider, standing. Dimensions, as in three dimensions that you live in, and yet you only look around you. Rarely do you look up. He pointed to the top of the building, and the group followed his gaze. The moon was full tonight, and the light hit something wet and shiny near the roof. Is that blood? Arwen asked. Let's get onto that roof, said Washington. Before any of them could move, a gunshot rang through the night, followed by another and a scream. None of them hesitated, but immediately ran after the sound. They rounded the corner and came out into a square. There were two dead redcoats on the ground. Just beyond them, a shadow moved, disappearing around the corner. What the devil is that? One of the men asked. Arwen turned to Strider, hoping for answers. He was staring up at the moon. Do you know what it is? She asked him. I'm afraid so. My god, look! One of the men was pointing at the building across the square. Atop it was a shadow, but as it climbed onto the roof and stood in the moonlight, they could all see what it really was. It was like a wolf, but much bigger. It stood upon its hind legs, and its front legs were more like arms with two clawed hands instead of paws. The creature reared its head back and howled at the moon, then it leapt off the roof, disappearing into the night. 
You've got to be kidding me, said Arwen. Is that a werewolf? An actual werewolf? As opposed to a fictional werewolf, said Strider. Yes, as opposed to a fictional werewolf. Werewolves aren't supposed to be real. No, werewolves aren't supposed to be here, said Strider. I suppose I ought to do something about this. What are you going to do, shoot it with a silver bullet? Hardly. No, it's simply a matter of eliminating the microscopic organisms in his bloodstream that are reacting to the lunar radiation. I mean, technically it's solar radiation, but something about the way it bounces off the moon really makes those guys like to turn people into ravenous wolves. Strider! Right. Not the time. Okay, let me think. Most organisms can't survive for long outside their own universe. What's that now? Arwen asked. Shh. So if they've attached themselves to him, they must have some way of keeping themselves alive. Clever little things. I need a sample of his blood. He turned to Washington and his men. They were staring at him dumbfounded. Well, Strider said, you're revolutionaries, right? Don't you have guns? Get after that thing and shoot it. Don't worry, it's tough. Marcus should survive, but I just need it to bleed so I can take a sample. Forgive us, Washington said, but all this is a little too crazy, I know. I've heard it before. But please, I'm making it incredibly simple for you. Literally, point a gun at it and shoot. Point and shoot. Oh, and then run, because it's going to be angry. The soldiers all looked at one another. Oh, for crying out loud, said Arwen. She pulled her own gun from its holster and set off across the square. That's the spirit, said Strider, running after her. The werewolf was not hard to follow. It tore across the rooftop, sending shingles careening into the streets below. Its huffing and puffing, mixed with grunts and growls, filled the night with a menacing orchestration. Arwen, however, could not get a clear shot. The beast was fast, and even when she was just below it, she could not see it for the eaves of the buildings. The commotion of their chase, of course, did not go unnoticed. As Arwen rounded a bend in the road, she caught sight of two redcoats. She changed direction quickly and nearly impaled herself on a wrought iron fence. Luckily, the officers were too focused on the grunting shadow leaping across the rooftops to notice her or Strider cross the street into the next alley. There was a fire escape here, which the two used to make their way to the roof of the building. By the time they had ascended, the werewolf was at least four buildings away. Even so, its dark silhouette was easy to see in the bright moonlight. Arwen lined up her shot and fired. The crack of her pistol was like the exclamation mark on a long, loud sentence. It was a mixture of the wolf being so far away and the deafening blast of the gun, but there was a silence that followed, broken only by the ringing in her ears. She had hit her prey. The beast toppled over and slid across the rooftop, almost to the edge. She did not have much time to celebrate, though, for it only lay still a moment. Then slowly, it pushed itself back up and turned to face her. It let out another howl. Detective, said Strider. May I have my mirror back? The creature was sprinting across the rooftops on all fours. It leapt to the next one, and now it was only three buildings away. Arwen holstered her gun and reached into her pocket. The mirror was gone. She looked at Strider. He looked at her empty hand. A look of shock and anger played across his face. Detective? Arwen stole a glance at the approaching beast. It was two rooftops away. She grabbed Strider and ran back towards the fire escape. It must have fallen while we climbed up here. We can find it. She practically leapt off the building, jumping to the first platform of the fire escape and taking the stairs three at a time. All the while, her eyes searched. It must have fallen out here nearby. It must have. They reached the alleyway, and a snarl caused them both to look up. The werewolf was there, glaring down at them. They turned back to the street, and something silver caught Arwen's eye. There, she said. It was the mirror. It was hanging by its chain from the fence she had run into earlier. They sprinted forward. Thud. The werewolf had leapt from the roof, all the way down to the alley, completely unharmed, and now stood between them and the street. It raised itself onto its hind legs, rearing up to its full height. It had to be at least the size of a bear. 
Orin fumbled in her coat for her gun. The wolf let out a snarling growl and lunged forward. Krakow! Something caught the beast in the shoulder, throwing it off course. It crashed into the wall with all the force meant for crushing Arwen. At the end of the alley stood General Washington, a rifle in his hands. Arwen didn't hesitate. She ran towards him, pausing only when she noticed Strider. Come on, she shouted. The werewolf was pushing itself up. It shook its head to clear the dizziness. Just a tick, said Strider. He pulled a handkerchief out of his pocket with a flourish and dabbed some of the blood that had splattered on the wall. He ran to meet Arwen, who was holding the mirror. I'll take that if you don't mind, he said, snatching it out of her hands. We really need to go, said Washington. The wolf was running down the alley. Just look here, said Strider. He held out the mirror for the general and Arwen. She looked down and swore she could feel the breath of the wolf upon her neck. Then it was gone. They were in the hall. Strider snapped the mirror shut and put it back in his pocket. Did it get us? Are we dead? Arwen turned to General Washington. He was hyperventilating as he gazed at the room of stars. Welcome to the Hall of Mirrors, Arwen said, patting him on the shoulder. She walked over to join Strider, who had grabbed a petri dish out of the air. You did it all wrong, he said. No sense for the dramatic. I was a little distracted by the fact we almost died, Arwen said. And whose fault is that? A table had appeared and Strider set the petri dish down. He wrang out the blood from his handkerchief. I'm sorry, said Arwen, looking down. It won't happen again. Of course it won't, said Strider. He reached up and grabbed a microscope out of the air. He placed it on the table and slid the dish under the lens. I will be holding on to the mirror from now on, if you don't mind. Just so long as you promise not to run as soon as you're bored. I promise nothing of the sort. Aren't you at least glad you stayed this time? You got to see a werewolf. I've seen them before. But yes, I am glad I stayed. These little guys aren't supposed to be here. Seems only fitting for me to get rid of them. I'm sorry, but will someone please tell me what's going on? The two looked over at Washington. It looked like he was afraid to even move. He kept glancing at the orbs of light that drifted lazily by. You want to explain it? Strider said to Arwen. You really ought to think of making this place more homey, she said, before turning to the general. We're in the Hall of Mirrors, she said. It's the place in between worlds. I know it sounds crazy, but just imagine a room. A house, Strider said. A house with lots of rooms. Do you want to explain it? Go on, said Strider, turning back to his microscope. Imagine a room, said Arwen, and right next to it is another room, and the two rooms are separated by a doorway. Well, right now, we are standing in that doorway. Washington just looked around him, his mouth open. I don't think he believes me, Arwen said. To be honest, I'm surprised you believe me. Well, 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 what do we have here? Arwen turned back to him. He is twisting the knobs on the microscope. What is it? If I were to explain the biological process of interdimensional microorganisms bonding to the white blood cells in order to adopt certain characteristics that allow them to protect themselves from the bacteria in this world that might otherwise kill them, would you understand? I don't know, I followed that pretty well. Strider looked up from the microscope and smiled. Fair enough. Now we just need a way to split the werewolf virus from the blood cells. Maybe if we blast him with radiation and destroy his white blood cells... Oh yeah, that's a splendid idea, said Arwen. Just brainstorming, said Strider. Obviously, I wasn't going to blast him with radiation. I thought werewolves were just a myth, Washington said. He walked over to them half in a daze. Myths all come from somewhere, said Strider. So where's the silver bullet myth come from, asked Darwin. Strider looked at her. You are absolutely brilliant, he said. He reached into his pocket and pulled out his watch. He dipped it in the blood. Excellent, he said. What is it, Arwen asked. Take a look. He stepped aside so she could take a look in the microscope. Those little black things, he said, those are what's causing the transformation. They're running from the silver, and taking the white blood cells with them. 
a werewolf were to be hit with a silver bullet, none of the cells would temper the wound. He would get an infection, Arwen said. Or bleed out, said Strider. But how do we use that to cure Marcus, she asked. Simple, said Strider. He pulled the silver watch chain out of the blood and cleaned it off. We just need to inject him with silver. Once that's flowing through his bloodstream, the virus should flee to the other parts of his body where it can be purged. Meaning? He'll throw it up. Hopefully. How do we inject him with silver? Well, obviously not just silver. I can work up a cocktail. It'll take me a minute. In the meantime, maybe you two ought to go back. I'm sure the resistance is missing its general. Also, he's not looking too good. You promise you're not just going to take off? I want to dream of it. Now, you find Marcus, and I'll find you. This whole thing will be over in a jiffy. He swept his arm over the table and it disappeared, microscope and all. He then reached out and grabbed his cane out of the air. He used it to find the proper orb to take them back to Washington's world. Grab hold of him, Strider said, indicating the general. When you touch the mirror, just think about where in the world you want to go, and the hall will do the rest. Simple as that? Arwen asked. Simple as that. Come on, she said to Washington, reaching out and grabbing his hand. She imagined the war room in the resistance hideout, trying to get a clear picture of it in her mind. Then she touched the mirror. Everyone jumped when they arrived, and a dozen or so rifles were pointed at them. It wasn't until those gathered realized it was Washington who had just miraculously appeared that they lowered their weapons. General, said one of the men, you're okay. We thought it got you, said another. We tried to tell the others what we saw, but they wouldn't believe. Washington held up a hand to silence them. His eyes were still wide with shock, but he closed them and took a deep breath. Arwen was amazed at how quickly he regained his composure. I too would find it hard to believe if I had not seen it, he said. Now where's the beast? We lost track of it after you chased it, said a man. We followed behind and we found your rifle, but no sign of you. There was blood on the streets and more dead redcoats. We feared the worst. Then the hunt is on, said Washington. With all due respect, sir, one of the soldiers spoke up. The streets are crawling with the redcoats, even more so than usual. The commotion of tonight has not gone unnoticed. Can we really risk a search party just for one man? Especially if that man is helping us thin their ranks, said another. It may behoove us to leave him for the night. I'm not about to sacrifice anyone, Washington said. Marcus is one of us. I will not abandon him when he needs our help. The night is full of dangers, but that has never stopped us before. That being said, I am not deaf to your concerns. We will send a small party up. We, he said, indicating Arwen, shall track the beast with two others. The rest of you must focus on maintaining the secrecy of our hideout. There's a trail of destruction out there, much of it leading back here. We'd better get it cleaned up. Hop to it, men! The crowd saluted. Two men were selected for the search party, and the rest planned the reconstruction of the hideout. In addition to the trail of blood the werewolf had left behind, the secret door had been destroyed by the beast, and many of the boards had been ripped off the windows. Arwen and Washington retraced their steps from earlier that night. It wasn't hard to pick up the trail from where they had narrowly escaped. Nearby were two dead riding boats. One of them had examined the bodies. It looks like they fired their weapons, tried to bring the beast down. It was running away until I shot it, said Arwen. I don't know where it was going, but attacking it just seemed to make it bad. Then it is likely on a rampage, said Washington. Other patrols would have heard the shots. The beast will get little respite tonight. He was right. They followed the signs of battle through the dark streets. Luckily, they ran into no patrols. That is, until they found the beast. They heard it before they saw it. Again, men, came a cry, the next street over. It was followed by a barrage of gunfire and a howl. Keep it pinned down! More gunshots. Their party of four crept around the corner. They saw a group of redcoats, about five or six of them, atop a spotlight tower. The werewolf was prowling the street below them. Every now and then it would attempt to rush the tower, 
leaping up and digging its claws into the wood. Each time it started to climb, the men in the tower would shoot it back down. It shrugged off the gunshots well enough, but howled angrily at its defiant prey. Well, this complicates things slightly. The group turned to see Strider crouched behind them. He smirked at their surprise. I'm in no mood to get shot, he said. Maybe we can take out the guards in the tower while they're distracted, suggested Arwen. Washington shook his head. It'd have to be a near-perfect shot to hit one of them, and once they realized they were under fire, they'd turn on us. We wouldn't stand a chance. How fast does that cocktail work? Arwen asked, turning to Strider. Almost immediately, assuming you hit an artery, he held up a large metal syringe to show her. Do you have an idea? I do, she said, but it will be risky. Oh, good. Here, I thought you had a safe way to get close to a raging beast. It didn't take long to explain the plan. Then it was just a matter of getting into position. Washington and his men snuck around to the other side of the tower. Arwen and Strider waited for their signal. Do you even know what a nightingale sounds like? Strider asked. No, but I'm sure it sounds different than a howling wolf or gunshots, Arwen retorted. I'll know it when I hear it. Sure enough, the call came quite obviously through the night. It sounded little like a bird, and more like a man imitating a bird, but that didn't matter. They were supposed to be the distraction. Arwen stepped out of her hiding place and fired around at the wolf. The beast staggered from the shot, then whipped around to face its new adversary. Over here, Arwen shouted, waving her arms. The werewolf took a quick look back at the tower, then decided it wanted the easier prey. It set off towards Arwen. Who's that, then? came a call from the tower, but then another gunshot pierced the night, striking the tower. There's more over there! It worked. Those in the tower focused their fire on Washington and his men. Now all Arwen and Strider had to do was run. You've got it, Arwen shouted as they ran from the firefight. I thought you had it, Strider yelled back, causing Arwen to scowl. Only kidding, yes, it's right here. He pulled out the syringe and ducked down a side alley. Arwen kept going another hundred paces and stopped, just beyond the alley. The werewolf wasn't far behind. It came skidding around the corner and stopped when it saw her. She wasn't running anymore, and this gave the beast pause. It approached her slowly, snarling and spitting. Arwen stood her ground, staring down the beast. Her eyes briefly flicked to the alley where Strider was hiding, but she looked away just as quickly. She met the wolf's gaze. It paused, just beyond the alley. Its eyes were yellow and seemed to glow in the light of the moon. It lowered, ready to pounce. Before it could, Strider struck. He leapt from the alley with a yell, wrapping his arms around the beast's neck. It howled as the needle pierced it, and it writhed back and forth, trying to fling the man from its shoulders. Strider lost his grip and careened towards Arwen, landing just in front of her with an oof. Did it work? He said, looking up at her. Arwen looked at the wolf. It shook itself like a dog drying off, then turned its gaze on her again. She could see the syringe sticking out of its neck. The werewolf began to advance. Um, define work. Strider got to his feet as the beast approached. I may have been wrong, he said. Do you have your mirror? Yes. Strider reached into his pocket as the wolf lunged forward, or rather, jerked forward. It stopped abruptly and fell to the ground. It tried to push itself up again, but its muscles failed it, and it collapsed. It started howling and clawing at the air, thrashing back and forth on the ground. It seemed to be getting smaller. As it writhed, its howls slowly turned into something more human. Suddenly the claws had become fingers and the fur had receded. Marcus was there, writhing on the ground instead. Finally, the seizures stopped. He tried to get up, but only made it to his hands and knees before he lurched forward in a coughing fit. A black, tar-like substance splattered out onto the street, and then he collapsed. I told you it would work, said Strider. You weren't worried at all, Arwen indicated the hand that was still in his pocket. Of course not. 
said Strider. He removed his hand from his pocket and showed that he wasn't holding the mirror, but a test tube. He wiggled it in the air. I want to collect the virus. Strider collected the black goop, and he and Arwen carried Marcus back to the resistance hideout, using the hall as a shortcut, of course. It was some time before Washington and his men returned. Once the beast gave chase, we fled, but the redcoats were after us. We had to lose them before coming back here, Washington told them when he arrived. Then he went to check on Marcus, who was still unconscious. He should be fine, Strider said. The virus is gone. Thank you, said Washington. Not a problem. I mean, I ruined my suit, but it's a small price to pay. I've got plenty of those anyway. Detective, shall we be off? Wait, said Washington. He turned away from Marcus to look Strider in the eye. I will not pretend to understand the power that you have, he said, but I must ask. We are fighting a war, a war I do not know if we can win. The device in your pocket. Ooh, sorry, Strider said, cutting him off. It's not a weapon, or a tool for winning wars. And I'm not a soldier. Can't really get involved, I'm afraid. Hold on, said Arwen. She grabbed him by the shoulder and pulled him out of earshot. The answer is no, Strider said in a whisper before she could even speak. But these people are fighting a war. A war they should win. And why? Strider asked. Because you won yours. Well, isn't it right? Arwen asked. Strider laughed. Right. Listen, just because things went differently this time around doesn't mean they went wrong. There's nothing that dictates what should be. There is only what is. And here in this world, that means the English won the revolution. I'm sorry, but I cannot change that. Nor should I. There are infinite worlds out there. I don't have time to shape them to my preferred image, and you should be wary of the desire to do so. He stared at her just long enough to let that last bit sink in. Then he cleared his throat and adjusted his suit. You can say goodbye, but then it's time for us to go. We've already spent too much time in this world. With that, he walked out of the room. Arwen turned back to Washington. I'm sorry, she said. I wish there was more I could do to help, but... I understand, said the general. Thank you. Arwen nodded, struggling to think of what to say next. Good luck, was all she could come up with. Then she stepped out. Strider was waiting for her in the hall. Shall we? he asked, holding out the mirror. Yeah, said Arwen. Let's go. Thanks everybody for tuning in to episode 2. Stay tuned for a sneak peek at next week's adventure. Hall of Mirrors is written and produced by Sam Schultz, with the main theme composed and performed by him as well. Each week brings you a new adventure of Arwen and Strider as they journey through the multiverse, protecting it from various threats from within and beyond. Next time on Hall of Mirrors, The Land After Time. In an attempt to show Arwen how unique the different timelines of worlds can be, the two travel to a world still in prehistoric times. But when men show up with advanced technology, Arwen and Strider find themselves in a situation that even a watcher of the hall cannot fully comprehend. <laughs>